you get off on the weird? Monsters, Halloween, horror. You've heard of word porn, car porn, earth porn. Now prepare yourself for monster porn. Is this really a good idea? Weird fiction and horror podcast. Created by the backwards hat guy, Matt Cummins. Are you trying to teach psychic powers to animals? Puggles, the abomination trapped in the body of an adorable teacup piggy. Good for humans. And myself, lead occultist, Brett Norwood. Today's stories are Race Invaders by Matt Cummins and Pastorus, the Zealots by Brett Norwood. Good day, Monster Baiters. I'm Matt, and this is Brett. Good day. I hope you're all safe and healthy out there. It's a wild world right now. If you haven't already, sign up for the Monster Porn newsletter at monsterpornpodcast.com. You'll stay on top of our doings like an incubus stays on top of your mother. And get extra Monster Porn content. We've been talking about doing a magazine format, and we're still discussing our options. Digital versus print, prose stories versus comics versus a mix of both. And if print whether to crowdfund, etc. We want to make something of value to our masturbators and to grow the Monster Porn brand. But at the very least, we'll release a digital edition for our newsletter subscribers. If you have thoughts on these questions, please let us know. We are interested in what our listeners would be into. And I don't mean kinky stuff. Just kidding, I mean kinky stuff. Also, please don't forget to rate and review. I know it can be a pain, but it's just a little way of helping us if you enjoy the show. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks, and on to the show. Man, I'm struggling to write an episode this week. Yes, Matt. I am as well with everything that's going on. Yeah, I mean, racism is just dominating the national dialogue right now. It seems everyone... Everywhere who has a platform is talking about racism. Yes, but out of the minuscule subset of people who aren't simply virtue signaling and are saying something substantial, it seems like most of them are screwing the pooch, as the idiom goes, and getting a word or two out of line and being annihilated on social media. Yeah, it's like we either have to say some just really vanilla bullshit like, Racism is bad! Or we have to try to define our own thoughts, which is basically like playing Russian roulette with words. And man, as far as the writing goes, I've tried to write three separate horror stories, but for some reason the black character never makes it past the first act. So, we must pull together an episode that avoids saying anything about race altogether. We simply can't afford to touch it. So, we do the white thing. We ignore it, and it'll go away. So you two Americans are having a bit of a free speech crisis. Well, never fear. It's Fact Battles. Alex Jones here with the free speech on the internet and in the universe. What do I think about George Floyd? Black Lives Matter? Black Lives in general? Well, Papa Jones gonna hit you with the fact bombs. Ha! It's all about the moon. Dark side of the moon. Would you say it's the black side? Pink Floyd. George Floyd. Coincidence? I think not. Lizards. The lizard people are using Black Lives Matter to distract us from the fact that their lives aren't matter, but some kind of extrasolar plasma from Nibiru. Ha! 
Can you stomach that truth? If you can stomach that truth, you can stomach man milk! New from the Fact Battle Supplement Store! Now in chocolate for the chocolate people! Throw them back for a bomb gate! Was that not offensive? Oh my god, Brett! Is that blackface? Huh? Oh no, it's just man milk. Good for the pores. Jalen pulled over to the curb and took a breath. The red and blue lights flashed behind him. He put his hands up to shield his eyes when the spotlight came reflecting so brightly off of his side mirror that it made him turn his head. A sedan coming the other way swerved slightly, either to give the officer more room or from the bright glare of the light. Jalen wondered if having your brights on in town was illegal. How could officers get away with that bright spotlight? Surely. It had caused a wreck or two. Hey, baby, you there? Tish said over his Bluetooth speakers. Leaning down to mess with them was likely the reason he had been pulled over. What's going on? Uh, yeah, Jalen said. Yeah, I just, damn it, I just got pulled over. There was silence for a moment. The lights flashed as they rotated red and blue over the street. Jalen heard a door close. Tish, I, I gotta go. I'll be home soon, all right? Yeah, Tish said, and then, love you. There was worry in her voice. Hey, you know me. I'll be good. I'll even say, yes, Amasa. You watch that attitude, she said, and then added, I'm serious, baby. Just do what they say and keep your hands where they can see them. I will, and I'll be home soon. Ticket and all, he said. All right, baby. Dinner's in the fridge. Love you. The line went quiet, and Jalen could hear the sounds of crickets and approaching footsteps. From behind him, he heard the acceleration of another vehicle approaching. There was something shark-like to that sound. He heard the buzz of the radio. An officer stepped around the side of his SUV, a Toyota 4Runner that they had got for family camping trips. Tish had picked the make and model. Jalen had wanted the tinted windows. Such a recluse. Even in your car, you need privacy, even when you're in your car, Tish had said, shaking her head. She'd been right. Jalen was a recluse, but he was also a journalist, which put him in front of people constantly. Technically, he would be an extroverted introvert, which he had thought was like calling a color whitish-blackish or describing something as heated frozen. He supposed it made sense because he had learned, he had taught himself, to be okay interacting with other people. He could laugh and smile and turn on the charm. But when that was over, he withdrew to recharge. Being around others was exhausting. Good evening, sir. Do you know why I pulled you over? A waspish voice said to him. Uh, actually, no. I'm not sure why, officer, Jalen said. This wasn't entirely true. He was in a 40 zone, and he may have been going a shade over 45, but during the day, traffic usually flowed down Bennington Avenue in an efficient 55. 10 at night was different, though. He didn't have the camouflage of traffic. Does your speedometer not work, then? The officer said under his breath. What? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you, Jalen said, turning his head to look at the man. He was short pale and thin, with slicked-over black hair, and he was wearing his sunglasses at night. You were speeding, 
we were in a 40 zone and you were doing nearly 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, officer. It's just that I, I drive this way every day and traffic flows a little faster during the day, Jalen said. Can I see your license and registration, please? The officer asked. Jalen glanced up and saw the name tag. The officer's name was Barberry. Tom Barberry. Uh, yes, sir, he said, and then he leaned over toward the glove compartment. Jalen was just about to open the glove compartment when he remembered that he had a handgun in the glove box. He hesitated, thinking. Is everything okay? Barbary asked. Uh, yeah, Jalen said. Uh, just trying to remember where I put that registration, he said, and then he decided not to say anything about the gun. He'd seen a video once of a black man who had told an officer about a registered firearm the driver had inside the vehicle. The officer shot the man and killed him. He opened the glove compartment. The gun was there in a small case but it was underneath a couple of his old registration slips. Jalen leaned forward slightly, pretending to reach. He took an envelope off of the top of the pile and looked up. Another officer was coming up along the other side of the vehicle. He quickly closed the glove box, hearing the slight clunk of the gun falling back into place. He handed the registration to the officer, and Barbary stared at him, blank, pale, and sickly. His pallor more fitting of someone detoxing from a Xanax addiction than a police officer. Jalen looked at the man and then back at his hands, which he had instinctively returned to the wheel where the officer could see them. He flexed his hands, shifted in his seat slightly, and then stared straight ahead. The officer stood over him, as still as a statue, like an obelisk. Uh, anything else? Jalen finally said, not taking his eyes off of his hands. Your license the officer said. Oh, shit. Sorry, Jalen said, feeling stupid for forgetting his license. Why didn't the officer just remind him? Why did he stand like that and just stare? Jalen's thoughts raced as he felt himself suddenly afraid. He wondered how often white people felt afraid when they were pulled over. Probably just tell old fishing stories, he thought. He could imagine it. Good afternoon, sir, the white cop would say. Good afternoon, Officer Johnson, the white man would say. Ah, shucks. You can call me Gary, the officer would say. Gary, I'm Chuck, the white dude would say. What was I doing wrong, officer? Well, Chuck, it was the darndest thing. My speedo catcho gun was registering you traveling a few miles per hour over the speed limit. At ten or so, Gary would say. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Gary, Chuck would say. Oh, no worries, Chuck. My gun must have been broken, Gary would say and give a wink. Do you need to see my license, Chuck would say. Nope. I just needed to make sure there was a cracker behind the wheel, Chuck. The two would look at each other and then laugh before parting ways. Jalen handed his license to the officer. 
smiling a little as he imagined the interaction. Was there something funny that I missed? Jalen Brown, the cop said. Uh, no, officer, I was just thinking about something, Jalen said. You sure about that? The cop asked. Yeah, Jalen said. That's good, because sometimes when people are drunk, they laugh at stupid shit, Barbary said, and then stood without saying a word. Jalen was quiet for a moment. Did you need to run my infer... Jalen started to say, but was cut off. And sometimes when people laugh at stupid shit, they're high, Barbary said. Don't take the bait, Jalen thought and said nothing. Officer Barbary stood in silence and stared at Jalen for what felt like several minutes. Do I say something? Jalen thought. But instead, he just placed his hands back on his steering wheel and stared straight forward. He felt sweat begin to form on his brow. What is this creepy fucker doing? Jalen thought. And the longer he sat that way, the more he felt his temperature rising. Don't go there, he could hear Tish telling him. Don't go to your crazy place. Jalen decided he could play the silent game. He could see the officer out of the corner of his eyes, and the man was standing there, completely still, with the license and the registration papers in front of him. But he didn't appear to be reading it. He didn't appear to be doing anything other than standing there, stock still. He looked catatonic. Worse, Jalen thought. With his waxy, pale skin, he looked like a figurine. A life-sized replica. It was the sunglasses, he supposed. He focused on the peripheral vision on his right. There was another officer there, too, just waiting. They were like goddamned predators, feeling him out, seeing whether or not he was worth baiting into the kill, worth the energy that it would take to bring him down. He glanced back at the officer, who was just standing there, still as a statue. Jalen finally said, Are you okay? The only thing that moved on the officer was his right eyebrow. It lifted as if to say, You've got some balls on you talking to me that way. A moment later, the officer told him to step out of the vehicle. What? Jalen said. Sir, step out of the vehicle, Officer Barbary said. I gave you my information. Why would I need to exit the vehicle? Jalen said, his anger and fear rising in equal measure. Because I fucking told you to, Barbary said. What? Jalen said. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. What was wrong with this cop? This was going very wrong. Just do what he says, he could hear Tish saying to him in the back of his mind. He started to reach for the door handles, but then he looked at the cop again and said, No. No, Barbary said and then turned to the other cop, whose face Jalen couldn't see. You hear what he said? He said no. Both officers had a good laugh at that. I, I, I think you should get out of the car, Barbary said. No, Jalen said. And then suddenly Barbary was on his level. He ripped off his sunglasses and stared into Jalen's face. His eyes were dark, nearly black and he stared directly into Jalen's eyes. What the fuck did you say to me, boy? I said I'm not leaving the vehicle, 
Jalen said flatly. He was thinking about the gun in his glove box. He didn't want them to find it and give themselves a reason. He didn't want to end up face down and cuffed, giving Barbary complete control. And if it went too far, what would he do? He was dangerously close to giving them a reason. And he was sure there were cameras. There had to be. But that didn't mean he wouldn't end up in a situation that was just their word against his. He reached for the weapon, they would say. Or, he went for my gun. He just ran right up to the line. And, if so much as a toe crossed it, where would that leave him? But if they didn't care about that line at all, what if the line was just something that was in his mind? These officers could have made up their minds before they ever stopped him. They could have said, Hey, buddy old pal, old cracker chum, let's get us a nigger tonight. And then what? Well, he would be a statistic on the evening news, the kind of thing he would have been sent out to cover for the press. Maybe some people would march. More than likely, he'd end up having his name slandered. The one DUI back in college and his one night in jail after a bar fight 15 years ago would be the rap sheet that they'd read. Just another violent black man going down in self-destructive flames. Last time, Barbary said. Get out of the vehicle. And then under his breath, Jalen thought Barbary said something like, You try me, you jigaboo. What? Jalen said. Barbary just raised his eyebrow. What did you say to me? Jalen demanded and then he threw open the car door. Jalen felt his face pressing into the asphalt. A piece of gravel stuck into his cheek like the point of a small spear. There was a foot on the middle of his back, and his hands were cuffed. One, or perhaps two men, were hitting his legs with batons. The pain had been excruciating. But now he was floating towards numbness, an insane numbness. He screamed and pleaded, thought of his wife Tish and the kids that they may never have. He thought of his job and the papers he wouldn't write. He thought of the officers who would doubtlessly get away. He thought of all of this as the barrel of a gun was leveled against the back of his head. that could never be spoken in human tongue. A word flashed across the screen that meant simulation failed. Garzuga! A short, thin, gray-skinned humanoid with large black eyes said, Every fucking time! On the screen, there was a comic splash of blood and words that meant game over flashing again and again. The high scores flashed across the screen. Race invaders! or a Zerulean equivalent, was a simulation that had been built in the fashion of an arcade game from Earth sometime during the 1980s. As far as Zartar knew, no one had ever made it past the Pale Cop. And the point deficit you started with when you picked one of the brown-skinned characters meant you would never achieve the high score. 
The other Zerulians laughed at Zartar as he said, Motherfucking honkies! as they sped across the galaxy. Ashen smoke rose from the glow of fire in the inner city. A young woman, meek-looking if it weren't for the gun, broke into the back door of a store in a strip mall downtown. She went unnoticed, because she was far from the only one embarking on this manner of activity this night. She herself considered this odd, but it made the ideal cover for what she had to do. She'd seen situations like this on other worlds. Other worlds that teetered on the brink of oblivion. The back storeroom was dark. The inventory slumbered on half-visible shelves. A great number of shoeboxes. She listened. The target was up front. Tafari was up front, armed with a crowbar. He waited behind the counter, watching the dark windows with terror and anticipation. He couldn't see much besides some silhouettes running up and down the street, backlit by a garbage fire across the block. There was muffled shouting. Tafari was breathing fast. This was patently unsafe for his health. But he would be goddamned if his store got trashed and looted. Sure, it was insured. But that didn't make it right. And Tafari was a man very concerned with what was right. He'd been through some hard times lately even thought about throwing in the towel on it all. But when he saw the news, it had been the anger that had hardened his resolve, the anger and the disgusting idea that all his merchandise could be ruined or stolen. This store, Fleek Sneaks, Inc., was his goddamned life and he would fight for it. That's when the kid with the gun stepped out of the back into the blazing lights of the main floor. She was maybe 5'4", maybe had her driver's license, but was packing a pistol. Like a lot of these anarchists running around, she was made up like a post-apocalyptic music video. She had dyed hair, a streak of grime on her pale face, and to cap it off, was dressed like a priest. Tafari assumed she was part of the riot. Tafari had not heard of the pastorus. They say the pastorus comes by night, and if you see the pastorus in the night, despair for you have wandered far, far beyond salvation's reach. His mouth fell open as she pointed the gun and said, in a calm and accented voice, The dawn of this world is coming. Then she stared at him a moment, and then something very curious happened, something that had perhaps never happened. She laughed. Get out of my store, kid, he boomed. The girl laughed so hard she doubled over and the gun lowered. What's so funny? Tafari demanded. She took a deep breath and looked him in the face. 
He saw that hers was soft and pale. She looked like a doll. Her eyes were watery now. He did not know this might have been the first time she had laughed on this planet. The first time she laughed at all. She was still learning what humor was. She pointed at him with her free hand and declared, You are so greatly dark! I beg your pardon! He waved the crowbar vaguely in the air. I mean to say I have seen human beings like to you before, but never so much dark of skin. I see human beings who have kind of dark skin, but this, uh, this is too much. I did not anticipate the how that you look as the owl, so tall, skinny, and dark of skin. She laughed a little more, but it was petering out. What game are you playing at, little lady? Tafari boomed. I confess that I am here to kill you, the pastorist said. But of late, I have neglected my duties somewhat. But let me ask it of you. Do you want to die? What? Tafari uttered aghast. Kid, you best get out of here. But have you felt much the wish to die of late? She tried again. Since you have seen... The Otherworld Being. The Otherworld Being, Tafari echoed. Suddenly her comment about not being long on this world became plausible. No one knew about the UFO he'd seen. He'd kept it quiet. Verily, the pastorist said, you are impacted by what is called an implementer. It gives to you a mind virus that brings about hopelessness. It is my job to eradicate that virus from your world. Talk real, kid, Tafari said. You're one of the protesters, aren't you? Don't wrap it all up in fantasy shit. If you're here to loot and shit, own up to it. She started laughing again. Sorry, she panted. I, in normal case, never laugh as you laugh, but I'm sorry. It is just that you are so, so dark and tall. I did not expect it. I've never seen the this before, and it amuses me. You really aren't from around here, are you? Tafari mumbled. You mind putting that thing down? He nodded at the gun. Oh, I do not put it down, thank you, she said. She lowered it the rest of the way, however. Tell me the this. What is it that happens tonight, all this violence? You really don't know, Tafari said, incredulous. The police killed a man who was dark of complexion like myself. The officer was white. Was that dark human as tall as you? The pastor asked. He shook his head. No. Then it is not so funny, the pastor said. Nothing about it is funny, Tefari objected. The protesters are supposed to be peacefully protesting police violence against black folks. Instead, they decided to break shit and steal. No, that is not funny. The pastress admitted. So my ass is in here in the middle of the night with a fucking crowbar, probably about to get beat to death by a mob of privileged college kids for defending my store. No, it's not funny. Well, actually, when I put it like that, it is a little funny. It makes me wonder if the universe has a terrible love for ironic humor. I should be home watching Netflix in my Snuggie. But you did not answer my first question, the pastress said. What? Do I want to die? He said. Well, 
Given what I just said, maybe I do have a death wish. But a mind virus from space? Is that what we're really talking about here? This is insane. Just when I thought the world jumped this fucking shark and nothing could get more crazy, you're telling me that I have a mind virus of hopelessness. Is that what this is? A man without hope does not stand against the odds with a crude hand weapon, the pastress observed. This is the why I have reconsiderations about you. So you're saying I'm not a hopeless case of hopelessness, he said. Something slammed against the glass at the front of the store, both looked. A figure was kicking the pane with the sole of a boot, and did so several times before giving up. Going through a window isn't as easy as it looks in the movies, is it, kid? Defari said to the window. He chuckled. <laughs> Probably doesn't feel so good, either, if you manage it. He looked over the pastress once more, and then said, I'm almost inclined to believe your crazy shit. I have my reasons. What's your name? The name of me is unspeakable. The planet of you has begun to call me Pastorus. Tfari, he said. Yeah. What is it with the Pastorus get up anyway? I love the god, she said. Tfari shrugged. Okay, why not? He muttered. All right, Pastorus. If you're quite done diagnosing my mental health and waving a gun and laughing at the color of my skin like it's a joke, You'll let me get on with defending my store. Yes. You do not speak as one who is impacted, she said. It is quite strange. Call me strange, Tafari muttered. He went behind the counter and leaned against it. He stared at the dark windows for a few moments, and then began musing aloud. My pop bought me my first pair of Jordans for Christmas when I was ten even knowing full well I'd grow out of them in six months. It was a sacrifice for him. They were expensive. Tafari chuckled. <laughs> I hit a growth spurt right after that and grew out of them before that summer. But man, those were some cool sneakers. I tell you, this isn't the America they came over here for. I mean, it was never perfect, but this store here, this is the kind of thing my parents wanted to make. Maybe they didn't quite manage it. But I've been blessed with what I've got. Tafari jumped as there came a bang at the window, and moments later, another. They could see a brick burst through the veil of night, strike the glass, fail to break it, and bounce back into the black. More bobbing heads ran by. Some of the buildings across the street were backlit with the red glow of a fire against the overcast and smoke. Tafari walked to the front of the store, pounded on the glass, and shouted into it, You best not try and come in here! He waved the crowbar in the air to punctuate. A baseball bat slammed into the glass right in front of his face, and he jumped back. Here, said the pastoress. She handed him her pistol. You need this more than I. She went for the front door. Oh no, don't go out that way. It's locked, Tafari said quickly his attention needing to be practically torn from the gun in his hand. No, no. Slip out the back, but be careful out there, you know. But before he could finish, she flipped the lock and slipped out. Oh, shit. Tafari hit the lock again and pressed his face and hands to the glass to see out. The pastorist stood in front of the building. One young man in a hood and face mask immediately shoved past her to try the door. 
She surveyed the crowd calmly. There were hordes of young people running through the street. One kid was swinging on a bar to kick his feet repeatedly against the glass. Another had the bat. A girl was filming it. These kids were all recognized by the pastoress as the pasty phenotype upon which her own complexion had been modeled. Though there was a girl with medium brown skin like her friend Naomi further back, she had a megaphone and was pleading, Please stop! You are not helping anyone! Please stop! But no one was listening to her. The guy who had checked the door behind her was now slamming a brick against it in his fist. She grabbed him and threw his ass to the pavement. He gazed up stupidly for a moment, before protesting rather colorfully about her behavior. The pastress raised her voice. I will need you all to stop the this! The four or so kids who were attacking the shoe store glanced at her. Why is it that you pasty ones hate so much the dark ones, and the greatly dark ones like Tafari? A boy ran by with two Roman candles and screamed in her face with breath that smelled like liquor. Anarchy! It's a pig roast! Woo! We don't hate anyone, the boy who had been kicking the glass declared. The fuck are you talking about? We're out here to protest the systemic racism of white people against blacks. Black lives matter, all that shit. We don't hate anybody. We're against hate. But we're going to tear this shit down. It's an unjust system. But Tafari is dark. Uh, black, the pastor subjected. Very black. Very funny. The fuck is Tafari? said the boy. Another said, We don't give a shit about Jar Jar Binks or whoever. The girl who was filming said, The guy in there's a POC. Burn it down! Someone, somewhere else, screamed in ecstasy. The first boy glanced down the street after the shouting, but returned his focus to the store. Yeah, a, a person of color is a slave to a white franchise owner. I clearly do not understand, the pastress declared. But I will have you stop the this now. Thank you, and go away. Yeah, or what? said the doorboy. Who made you the police? Some people on another world you have not heard of, she answered simply. She caught the boy's arm as he swung the brick at the door. Three of them tackled her and pinned her down. The boy from the door, whom she'd thrown to the curb, now planted his discount Chinese imitation combat boot from Wish on her collarbone. You know what we do to Nazis? He sneered down at her. Please, what is a Nazi? She wondered. Where are you from, Jika? whispered the boy, holding her right arm down. We punch Nazis, said the boot boy. He moved his boot to her throat. The boy on her right arm glanced up at the other, no longer cool with how this was going. He let go and backed up, muttering, Dude. You punch, the pastorist said. That is cute. I kill. Her head rolled free from her neck and everyone holding her jumped back in horror. And as swiftly as they did, her body reached and took her own head by the hair, and leapt to her feet, swinging it like a melee weapon. Not surprisingly, at this point, the kids scattered up and down the street into the haze, and the sound of car alarms and sirens and screams. She set her head in place,
with a vague, serene smile. She stood facing the door of Fleek Sneaks, Inc., with that creepy smile. While the main window permitted a view of the merchandise, the door was mirrored, and she couldn't see Tafari hiding and watching on the other side of it. After half a minute, it cracked open, and Tafari's eye glared wide and bloodshot over the barrel of her own pistol. What are you? he demanded coldly. She wrinkled her nose at him and glared back. Then she put two fingers on the barrel and pushed it down. A friend to the very greatly dark one, I believe, she answered. He looked at her a long time, then his expression changed. Stepping from the door, he pulled in the pastoress and hugged her. I believe you said you came here at first to kill me, and I'm not cool with that, but, you know, thank you, he said. From his lapel, a weird giggle escaped. <laughs> it is still funny a bit. You got anywhere to be, alien girl? He wondered. I could use security for approximately five more hours till dawn, I imagine. I'm your host, Malcolm X. I ain't Jesus Christ. I mean, Alex Jones. I'm all that rolled into one, ha! I'm the race war messiah, and you're listening to Fact Battles. This is monster porn, Mr. Jones. Thou shalt not limit Alex Jones' free speech! That's right! Free speech on God's green America! Free speech, Tyrannodon! Have I told you about the first great race war? 20,000 BC! The ginger-headed giants roamed North America riding on friggin' war cheetahs! When the pygmy conquerors from Mars landed! Battle of Branson, Missouri. No survivors! But the ginger-headed giants virtue signaled their support of intersectionality to the death on Twitter. And then BAM! Come and wipes out the dinosaurs except for Nessie, who goes on to spawn a brood of nestlings, who later signed the Declaration of Underpants with the Founding Fathers. If it weren't for the rudiments of civilization stored by the wise ones on the 2.5-inch floppy disk, all would have been lost! Including the moon. Ha! Now you have the facts of the race war! Now back to you! Huh. I think... I think... That I understand white splaining now. What's that? I could tell you, but then I'd have to cancel me. Monster Porn Podcast is a production of Warped Box Media. Today's stories were Race Invaders by Matt Cummins and Pastorus, The Zealots by Brett Norwood.
Good day, Monsterbaiters. Brett here. If you enjoyed this episode of Monster Porn Podcast, become a hardcore Monsterbaiter through dedication, diligence, and by signing up for more Monster Porn at our website, monsterpornpodcast.com. When you get on our newsletter, you'll be the first to get Monster Porn Magazine and other bonus content from the Spooky Spank Bank. Also, be sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps this show immensely, and we appreciate all of our Monsterbaiters' love. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, etc. That, I suppose, is it. Game over. Until the Shark Angels come, in the day that the finger-headed giant shall again walk the earth, stay weird, and Godspeed, strange cowboy. And I don't mean kinky stuff. Just kidding, I mean kinky stuff. Ball gags and butt plugs, Brett. Ball gags and butt plugs. Also, please, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want some? <laughs> what do you think's in that closet behind us? Uh-oh. Is it bad for you or just more, more Transformers? Other than the mannequins <laughs> who are staring at you longingly from the abyss. Yeah. Oh god, I don't got it. Pteranodon <laughs> just died here, right? <laughs> Yep. What do I think about fl- <laughs> Dark Side of the Moon? Would you say it's the Black Side? Pink Floyd! George Floyd! Quinches! <laughs> 20,000 BC! The ginger headed giants roamed the North American. <laughs>